0: Turn with me to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6 and verse 1. I was reading the testimony of a man named Herbert Cooper. And uh, he was uh, the son of an alcoholic, and his mother and his siblings all left his father when he was in his senior year of high school in the middle of his football season. Uh, and he was an athlete, and he, he was being looked at by different uh, scouts and so forth. But he said, he said, I felt like my life was just hanging by a thread. I just felt like it was so fragile. And uh, he, he had a, a meeting set up uh, to meet with a football scout one night, and that meeting was canceled. And just so happens they were having a fellowship of Christian athletes meeting that night. And they were serving pizza, which was the reason that he went. Um, but he said that while he was there, he heard the testimony of a football player, uh, and, um, he was convicted by God of his sin and he gave his heart to Christ. And he said, my whole life was set on a different course. And he said, for the first time in months, he said, I had hope. Uh, and God reached out in the middle of his circumstance and encouraged him through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now you may be a Christian already. And I think probably most of us here tonight are. But um, but the fact is, all of us need God to reach down in our circumstances sometimes and lift us up. And all of us sometimes are are fragile in our lives and sometimes go through times where we sense our own weakness in a specifically powerful way. And so um, the scripture that we are talking about tonight is a story about just such a man who is very weak that God chooses uh, to be a deliverer for the people of Israel. As a matter of fact, he is so weak and he has so little self-confidence that over and over and over again in the Scripture, God is encouraging him so that he'll fulfill the role uh, that, that God wants him to fulfill. And as I read this this past week, I was just struck by the mercy of God. You know, I might have gotten frustrated, thought, you know, it's Gideon, I, I'm just tired of messing with him. When's he going to trust me? Uh, but but that wasn't God's heart at all. God reaches out to him over and over again throughout this chapter and encouraging him in different ways. Uh, and we're not going to get to all of those ways, but encouraging him to fulfill the role uh, that God has for his life. Uh, so Gideon received God's encouragement. I believe we need to receive God's encouragement On a regular basis in her life as well. The time of message is receiving God's encouragement. Look at me at uh, Judges chapter 6 and verse 1. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord handed them over to Midian seven years. And they oppressed Israel. Because of Midian the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and Malachites and Ketamites came and attacked them. Uh, They encamped against them and destroyed the produce of the land, even as far as Gaza. They left nothing for Israel to eat, as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey. For the Midianites came with their cattle and their tents like a great swarm of locusts. They and their camels were without number, and they entered the land to waste it. So Israel became poverty-stricken because of Midian. And the Israelites cried out to the Lord. When the Israelites cried out to him because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to them. He said to them, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you out of Egypt and out of the place of slavery. I delivered you from the power of Egypt and the power of all who oppressed you. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am Yahweh, your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites whose land you live in, but you did not obey me. The angel of the Lord came, and he sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine vat in order to hide it from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? And where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about? They said, Hasn't the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and deliver Israel from the power of Midian. Am I not sending you? He said to him, Please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest in my father's house. But I will be with you, the Lord said to him. You will strike Midian down as if it were one man. Then he said to him, if I have found favor in your sight, uh, give me a sign that you are speaking with me. Please do not leave this place until I return to you. Let me bring my gift and set it before you. And he said, I will stay until you return. So Gideon went and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from a half bushel of flour. He placed the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot. And he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat with the unleavened bread and put it on this stone and pour the broth on it. And he did so. The angel of the Lord extended the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire came up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Then the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. When Gideon realized that he was the angel of the Lord, he said, Oh no, Lord God, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace to you. Don't be afraid, for you will not die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it Yahweh Shalom. It is in Ophrah of the Abiezrites until this day. Receiving God's encouragement. Um, So... um, the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and is bringing this encouraging message. I want you to deliver Israel, and he's he's t- calling him a mighty man, even though he's hiding in the wine press. Um, and uh, Gideon says, "Okay, I want you to stay. I'm going to uh, provide you a gift." And he brings us these things that are very similar to sacrificial gifts, and the Hebrew wording is is kind of sacrificial wording. And he brings these things and he puts them on the the uh, stone there, and the angel of the Lord touches it with his staff, and it whoosh burns up in the flame. And uh, instantly, the angel of the Lord disappears from his side. What's that about? Well, the word angel, the word translated angel, uh, is actually a word that means messenger. And it can refer to angels. It can refer to human messengers. Uh, and in this case, I believe it refers to the pre-incarnate Christ. appeared uh, to Gideon in the scripture. And that's why he he talks to Gideon and he he, uh, does these things that are very similar to sacrificial things. He's accepting the offering that Gideon's bringing him. And when Gideon sees that he he disappears and everything, he realizes what's happened. He says, oh no, I'm going to die. Well, he he doesn't think that because he's seen an angel. He thinks that because he's seen God. And so, uh, this, is, this is about Jesus himself coming to Gideon and encouraging him at his point of need. Uh, and he calls him Yahweh Shalom, or the Lord, your translation may say the Lord our peace. Uh, the Lord all caps is the, the divine name for Yahweh or Jehovah God. And um, it speaks of Jesus as the great I am. And uh, Jesus, uh, uh, when he disappears and Gideon, uh, he he receives the assurance from God. Uh, he says, you will not die. And he, sa- he says, I'll call this place Yahweh is peace. And so um, uh, Gideon has received a divine visitation to bring him encouragement. Aren't you glad that God is involved in the circumstances of our lives? And so uh, if you want to receive... God's encouragement. How do you do this? Uh, How does God encourage us? He reminds us, first of all, of his presence. He reminds us of his presence. If you look in verse 12, the first thing the angel of the Lord says to him is, The Lord, or the great I Am, is with you, mighty warrior. Now, he's assuring Gideon that God is with him. Uh, He he also, um, I believe it's in uh, in verse 16, he says, I will be with you, the Lord said to him. So twice, uh, the angel of the Lord, or Yahweh, God the Son, is saying to Gideon, I will be with you. So, getting you don't need to worry about your inadequacies. You don't need to worry about your weakness because I'm with you. Uh, kind of like uh, feeling inadequate to fight a, a group of thugs that wants to rob you. And then all of a sudden, your best friend Bruce Lee shows up. And now you're saying, okay, Bruce, take care of them, you know. And he, whoosh, they're all, they're all taken care of and no problem. Uh, why? Because Bruce Lee is with you and he's fighting with you, Right? That's the kind of the idea. God is saying, listen, Gideon, you don't have to worry about this. I've got your back. I will take care of this. And uh, you don't have to fret. You don't have to worry because I'm with you. You know what Jesus says to us in the New Testament? He says, make disciples of all nations and what? Lo, I am with you always. Even until the end of the age. He's saying, I've got a mission for you. To reach this world for Jesus Christ. To make disciples. And he says, I want you to understand that no matter what situation you find yourself in. I will be with you. To help you in the work that I've called you to do. To lift you up when you're discouraged. To to give you strength when you're doubting. uh, To provide leadership for you when you don't know the way to go. Gideon was fearful, fretful, uh, but in all of this, God assures him and encourages him, I will be with you, and he's with us today. If you're a child of God, he's promised to never leave you or forsake you. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, isn't he? It? it doesn't change. The same Jesus who was with Gideon will be with you today, and uh, He'll supply what you need. So when you need encouragement, uh, be reminded of his presence. Secondly, how does God encourage us? Not only does he remind us of his presence, but he reminds us of his power. Now, uh, in verse 12, he calls Gideon a mighty warrior. Now, I might have had to uh, struggle to keep from laughing because... He's, he's too afraid to thresh wheat out in the open where the Midianites can see. And he's afraid the Midianites are going to come down and kill him and take his stuff. And um, so he's hiding. He's hiding. And they're calling him Mighty Warrior. What? You know, I'm wondering what went through Gideon's mind. He must have thought, uh, <laughs> who, who are you talking to? <laughs> you know, uh, here I am. And, and, and he even says, I'm the least in my father's house. I, I don't feel worthy for this. But God calls him a mighty warrior. Why? Because it wasn't his own power he was going to be fighting with. It was God's power. He says here in verse um, 14, Go in the strength you have. What strength is that? The strength that God has provided. God has assured him of his power. Notice he had to assure him of that twice. Calls him a mighty warrior. That goes in one ear and out the other. And get him to say, hey, you know, where... Um, where has God been? You know, he's got with us, and he he doesn't notice the fact that they've sinned against God. His own father has a an altar to Baal, which you hear about later in the chapter. Um, he doesn't focus on the sin. Well, where's God? You know, and he's kind of where you know, we heard about all these great things that God does, but where is he today? But God again assures him, go in the strength you have. Isn't that the mercy of God? God's never intimidated by our questions. He's not intimidated by our doubts. But he comes and he ministers to us and encourages us and assures us of his power. What did uh, Jesus tell his disciples? He said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria outermost parts of the earth. So if you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit has come to live within you. And if you have the Holy Spirit of God living within you, you have the power of God within you to overcome whatever you may face in your life. And whatever you may face in serving God, you have his power there to help you. Um, God gave Gideon a specific power. It was a power to do what God had called him to do. Uh, you know, God has given me power to do what he's called me to do. But he's not given me power to do what somebody else is supposed to do. Uh, you know, I can't go like the world's strongest man and lift the 7,000 pounds off the ground. I could probably break my back. I don't have the power to do that. But God has given me the power to do what he's called me to do. And the same thing is true with you. He's gifted you with spiritual gifts. He, he has certain roles and functions he wants you to fulfill in the body of Christ. Um, It may be encouragement, it may be mercy, it may be intercession, whatever it is. But God has a role for you to fulfill and he will empower you. Whatever he calls you to do in your life, he will empower you to do it. And so uh, be encouraged by that. Somebody said once where God guides, he provides. And that's not just in material things. He provides the power that you need uh, to accomplish the things that he wants you to accomplish. And so... um, His presence provides encouragement for us, and he also reminds us of his power. Uh, trust in his power that he will give you his power. Trust that he will be with you. But thirdly, uh, he reminds us of his promise. Um, he says, "It's a, it's a little bit. Uh, it's a little easier to, to understand in the King James, but in the Hebrew." Um, Verse 14 can be translated, go in the strength that you have, and you will deliver Israel. Okay? A lot of translations translate it, go in the strength you have and deliver Israel. Uh, They take it as a command. But you could also take it as God's promise. And I think there's probably an intentional double meaning there. In that, I want you to go deliver them, but also you will deliver them because I've empowered you. You have the strength to do it. You will deliver them. And God has given him his promise. Um, It may have seemed incredible to Gideon to think that God would do so through him. But God gave him a promise. And he was going to believe that promise. He was going to stand on that promise. Because it was what God had told him to do. Um, You see that throughout Scripture, don't you? Abraham, God gives him a promise. Go to the land I'll show you. I'll make you a great nation. So Abraham went. Uh, Then, later on, years later, God has expanded that promise and given him other uh, promises to go along with it. But the promised son that God had promised him, Isaac, God says, I want you to take him up to this mountain. And offer him as a sacrifice. Talk about confused. I I would have been so confused by that. Well Lord I thought he was the promised. He was the promised one. You know and not to mention the fact. This was before they had the laws about child sacrifice. You don't have child sacrifice in Deuteronomy. Uh, But. uh, But God told Abraham to go offer him as a sacrifice. And Hebrews tells us. That Abraham believed that God, if necessary, could raise his son from the dead to fulfill the promise. Now, that's some faith. He believed the promise of God. And he held the knife up to sacrifice and kill his son. And God said, wait. Now, I know that your heart is surrendered to me. And, and God provided the lamb, the ram, in the, in the bushes so that uh, there would be a substitute. And it became a great picture of Christ. But... Abraham believed God's promise. God told David. David was preparing to build a house for, for the Lord, a temple. And God said, what house will you build for me? You, you can't build a house that can contain me. And he said, besides, uh, you're a man of blood. Your son is going to build the house for me. But don't think that I dwell just in mere houses. I, you know, I'm bigger than that. He'll build the house. And so the Bible says that David believed the promise of God. And, and he made preparation. He, he bought all the materials. He had it all organized. He brought his son aside. He said, okay, now, now Solomon, here's how you do it. <laughs> you know, he, he told him all the steps that he would need to take. Uh, and he believed the promise of God. Uh, he also believed in the promised Messiah that was to come. That God had said would come as, as his descendant ultimately in his life. And so over and over again you see the promises of God. As Christians, we have a lot of promises that God has given us. One that I love, I talked about this morning. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. A few verses later, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. Those are some great promises. Uh, I will never leave you or forsake you is a great promise. Ask for wisdom and I'll give it. It's a great promise. One day. The dead in Christ will rise first, and we are alive and, and remain. will be caught up together with them in the, in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's a great promise you can hang your hat on and hold on to. Hold on to the promises of God when you're going through struggle. Um, when, when you go through difficulty, I, I think about uh, Jeremiah. He had to have one of the most depressing jobs telling everybody that captivity's coming, right? <laughs> you know, oh, here he comes again, this n- naysayer, and, you know, he never has anything positive to say. Well, he eventually did, you know, but that was after everything had gone haywire in the nation. And Jeremiah is still prophesying for God. He's bound in the courtyard of the king because he said some stuff the king didn't like. And he's, he's prophesying the people that are gathered around him About what is going to take place. And he says you see. By this time the Babylonian armies are around the city of Jerusalem. And uh, all that they could see as they looked out from the city walls was devastation. Because every single city in Judah had been destroyed. And only Jerusalem was left. The land had been ravaged. Much like in Gideon's case. The land was ravaged and and, and it was barren and bleak. And it all looked hopeless. But in the middle of all this, God tells Jeremiah, purchase a field from your uncle. (laughs) And Jeremiah's probably shaking his head. I'm just imagining this. It doesn't say this in the Bible, but what? Purchase a field from your uncle. Well, why is that, God? Because I'm going to bring people back to this land, and once again, they're going to buy and sell. And I'm going to restore my people to their homeland and not, not only that jeremiah but also i'm going to change their heart and he does that through jesus christ jeremiah held on to the promise of god in the midst of, of all that took place and ultimately in the captivity and the and he didn't go into captivity but he went with the with the ones that had had been left there the poorest people of the land He went with them. After he told them not to go to Egypt, they decided to go to Egypt anyway. God said go with them. But, uh, you know, he held on to the promise of God. How do you get through these times in life that you don't understand? Hold on to the promises of God. Daniel is in this foreign palace. And he says, Lord, you remember that promise that you made to Jeremiah? And you made through Isaiah and, and, and all these situations. Lord, you remember the promise. You said after 70 years of captivity, you would send us back home. Lord, I'm asking you to do that. And what does God do? He keeps his promise, right? But Daniel is holding on. The whole time he's in Babylon, he's holding on to the promise of God. See, that's how you get through the difficult times of life. But God gives us his promise. That's one way he encourages us. And so read those promises. Sometimes... If you're like me, and you're really struggling, and you're really at a low place, you may have to say to God, Lord, help me to believe your promise. Kind of like we talked about this morning. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Help me to trust this and truly believe it from my heart. But hold on to those promises, because it will sustain you in difficult times. Receiving God's encouragement. How does God encourage us? He reminds us of his presence, of his power, of his promise, of his place. Verse 14c, the last part of verse 14, am I not sending you? Where did Gideon want to stay? Probably in the wine press, right? I I don't want to go out. I certainly don't want to go fight the Midianites. That's a, that's a, 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 a suicide attempt. But God said, I'm sending you. And if I send you to a place, I'm going to go there with you. And I'm going to take care of you in that place. And I have a specific mission that I want you to fulfill. Did you know that we are in the places that God wants us to be for a reason? Um, The fact that you're here tonight, I believe, is by divine appointment. Um, Jonah was being disobedient to God. And he's out on a ship. But did you know that God is sovereign even over our disobedience? What happened on the ship? Well, they're all, Jonah's asleep, and they're all, they're all talking, what are we going to do? Let's pray to our gods. And finally somebody finds Jonah asleep. What are you doing? We're dying here. Come on, pray to your God. And he says, well, I, you know, what, they asked him, what God do you serve? He says, well, I serve the God that made the, the heavens and the ocean, the seas, and all that is." And then they got really scared. And they, he said, and Jonah says, I'm the reason that this is happening. And so after after a while, they chunk Jonah in the ocean. And immediately, the storm stops. And the Bible says everybody on the boat feared greatly and worshiped the God of heaven. Can I tell you something? God had a purpose for Jonah. Even in his rebellion, he was on that boat for a reason. And he became a witness for God. And then he went where God told him to go originally. And God had a purpose for him at that place. He really didn't like the purpose, but God fulfilled the purpose that he had in Jonah's life. Um, remember, Paul get, getting the Macedonian call, he goes to Macedonia and all the great work that God did there. Listen, God has you in the family that you're in for a reason, uh, in the church that you're in for a reason, in the country that you're in for a reason, in the job that you're in for a reason. The place that God has put you, he has put you there strategically for his purpose. So take heart in that if if it's hard. If you're in a hard place, um, if you're struggling, know this, that God has a purpose for you being where you are. And take heart in the fact that when God sends you to a place, he sends you to a place on purpose and for a reason. Uh, You know... Uh, the Scripture says that uh, that God uh, has all of our days written in His book. Everything that happens to us uh, is either allowed by God or brought by God, so that it will fulfill His purpose. And He has it all planned out, and ultimately has a reason for it. Now, we may not know the reasons why we're here, but we can always know that God has a reason. And so that should be a great encouragement. Take that encouragement to heart uh, in whatever place you may find yourself. uh, God will use you where you are. So be reminded of his presence, power, promise, and place. And finally, be encouraged by his peace. Verse 22, Gideon realized it was the angel of the Lord. Now this should have been an encouragement to him. I mean, don't you think? That it is very significant when the God of the universe decides that he wants to come talk to you. (laughs) That ought to encourage you, unless he's pronouncing judgment or something, you know. But in Gideon's case, he's given him a job to do. And and God says, Gideon, you're so important to me that I'm not just going to send a messenger to you. I am going to send my own son to talk to you. That should have been a great encouragement to Gideon, but... He's so weak and fearful and and so forth that he, oh, no, I'm going to die now, you know. All of the encouragement is forgotten. Isn't that like how we are sometimes? You ever ever had God speak to you in your quiet time? Maybe multiple days in your quiet time when you're going through a difficult time, and then something else happens, and all the encouragement you forget, and you're right back in the same place of worry. That's where Gideon is. He's forgotten it all. But look what God says to him. In verse 23. Peace to you. Don't be afraid. For you will not die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there. And called it Yahweh. Shalom. Shalom is the greeting the Jewish people give each other. And it means peace. And it means well being. That God is our peace. One scripture says. "I wilt keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on you. For he trusts in you. And. And. What was the purpose of God sending his son to speak to Gideon? I believe it was to bring peace to his soul and assurance in the middle of a difficult situation. To let him know, I'm with you. I'm on your team. You can have peace in your heart. You remember Peter? He's looking at Jesus. He's doing something none of us have ever done besides Jesus. who's walking across the water. And I won't try to walk out across this air. But he uh, you know, uh, he's looking at Jesus, and as long as he looks at Jesus, he's doing okay. And when he takes his eyes off, he begins to sink. God wants us to have his peace. And so when, when he um, speaks to you in your life, when he reminds you of his blessing, and isn't it true that because of Jesus Christ, we have peace? What does the scripture say? Romans 5, one. therefore having been justified by faith, we have, it's an ongoing word, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and access into this grace in which we now stand. I stand in God's grace. I have access to God's throne. I have peace with God. Why? Because I deserve it? No, but because Jesus died for me. I can have assurance in his presence. I can have assurance and whatever may come, that I am bought with the blood of Jesus. Jesus said, Rejoice if they persecute you, for great is your reward in heaven. If they kill us, as they did this week out in Oregon, they usher us in the very presence of God. That's peace. I want you to know something. Christ is our peace. He is our peace. He's made the two one. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles. but. Jesus is our peace. If you have Jesus in your life, you have the Prince of Peace who's come to take up residence in your soul. The Scripture says that when we cast our cares on Him and we thank Him, that the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God reminds us of His peace when we need encouragement because He's saying to us, listen, chin up, know that I'm with you. And I'll bring peace to your soul as you seek me, as you cast your cares upon me. Receiving God's encouragement, we need need to be reminded of his presence, his power, his promise, his place, and his peace. Aren't you glad that God cares for us to love us in that way and show us these things so that we can be encouraged? He is truly a great God. Trust him to be with you in the storm. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great word and for bringing us encouragement. Thank you, Lord, for your patience with us sometimes when we doubt and we struggle. And Father, I pray that for each person here tonight, you would lift them up through this message of encouragement. And Lord, help us to truly see with spiritual eyes and with the eyes of faith uh, what you've said to us, what you've done for us, and what you will do for us. And Lord, uh, help us uh, not to...